0: Welcome to Magic Time. It's the live, on-location, post-game report for tonight's Moncton Magic Game versus the London Lightning. We are at St. Louis Bar and Grill, the Mountain Road location in Moncton. Of course, St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton Dieppe are the presenting sponsors for Magic Time. So we certainly thank them for being a sponsor of the podcast and also for making some space available for my partner Dave Tingley and I. To come in and do this podcast tonight, Dave, of course, my broadcast partner on the live Moncton Magic broadcast on NBLC-TV. Dave, you just had fish tacos, I think? I did. Before we get going, because it looked really good, <laughs> what did you have? I
1: had the fish tacos and a Greek salad, and I ate it in about four minutes flat, as you can, as you watched me <laughs> gorge myself, because I was hungry, and it was really good. Really good.
0: It smelled good, it looked good, and apparently it tasted good. Oh, terrific. Oh, terrific. Something else that was very good tonight was the matchup between the London Lightning and the Moncton Magic. Look, coming in, we talked about it on the post-game podcast last night, you know, what to expect from tonight's game. It ended up being a double overtime thriller. Moncton looked to be getting the victory, but London, (laughs) with four seconds left, hit a three-pointer to tie, late in regulation. Moncton again, three-point lead, seven seconds left in the first OT, another triple, from the London Lightning, Moncton locks it down in the second OT, gets the victory, 119-113? 112. 119-112. I guess uh, before we again dig in to more of the details about the game, uh, your overall impressions of a pretty exciting double overtime game. A,
1: all uh, credit to, to, to London. I mean, it was, a, it was a, a, crazy, uh, a crazy game from start to finish, and it was just, it was a tale of there were so many ebbs and flows to it. I mean, the third quarter, they only scored nine points. In the fourth quarter, they scored 35. And they just turned it, turned the game on its head. But, I mean, the, the first half was... It just seemed... It took forever to Monk, for Moncton to get almost interested. Like, you, you, it was, they seemed so passive. They seemed um, uh, uninspired. There was very little emotion. There was very little excitement. And then just all of a sudden the game switched and you talked about it live in the air when Duke Mundy just had this miracle end of the half where the game, the ball just bounced to him and the London had defended the end of the half really well and the ball just kind of bounced to Duke Monday, he made a miracle shot as time expired and got fouled and made a three-point play. And it just seemed to change the attitude. And it came out of the locker room just on fire and, uh, and, and amazing. But then they got themselves into a position to win the last two minutes and they did everything, just about everything wrong in the last two, two and a half minutes of that
0: regulation time. And then, of course, the, the overtimes were just as wild. Yeah, and, and it's funny because you know, we were talking about how, well, you know, three-point lead late in the game. That means that London's got to hit a three-pointer to tie. Well, gosh, didn't they go and do it? Kevin Ware Jr. at the end of regulation with four seconds left. Same thing in the uh, in the first overtime. Oh, Moncton's up by three. London's going to have to get a three-pointer. And then it was... Uh, Jalen Bab-Harrison. Bab-Harrison, who... And talking about Bab-Harrison, <laughs> an interesting statistic from him tonight in terms of three-pointers, Dave. He got him up. He had 17 three-point attempts out of his
1: 19 attempts from the floor, and he started off hot. He had three of his first four, and then the only one he hit. The rest of the game was that that one to force overtime and a uh, second overtime, and it was just—I mean—the magic did. They—they just—they had such a great effort in that third quarter and most of the fourth, and then just kind of did everything they could. It was almost like, wow, well, we didn't give the fans enough of a show in the first half. We, were, we did a really poor job of giving the fans a good show in the first half. Let's give them some extra time here. We almost did everything they could
0: to keep London in the game and force two overtimes. But just wild stuff. And Duke Mundy, you talked about that big play that he had at the end of the first half. Moncton was down by double digits, and London really had their confidence building. And you think, you know what? Moncton goes into the half, trailing by double digits. That's going to give London that psychological lift. But again, literally, as time expired, zero's on the clock. Duke hits that tough shot underneath, gets the foul for the and-one. He hits the three-point play. All of a sudden, Moncton's got something positive. They go into the half. They're still trailing, but it's not by double digits. It's that little psychological barrier of the double-digit lead. Mm -hmm. They had that big third quarter where they really shut down London, as you said. But that second overtime where Moncton was able to pull away and finally get the victory, what did you see as maybe a couple of real big turning points? Because as you said, Billy White had fouled out, Denzel Taylor had fouled out, but they found a way. How did they find a way in the second overtime? They were
1: tougher. And and that was what they really if if Moncton any game in which the Magic are the tougher team, they're gonna come out on top and they have it, they have it in them but they're just there's this I don't know whether it's this uh, they're still building a chemistry with not having the whole team together for very long this is really this is literally the first game all year they've had 12 available players and whether they're they're building some chemistry in there or whether that's you know and and it's just they're 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 getting used to how to play with each other and that affects their, their the ebbs and flows of the game and the emotion and the intensity who knows but if they've that's where I would be, con- not maybe concerned if I'm Coach Salerno, but certainly something to, to talk about is that, um, is getting, is, is playing, uh, they're, they're being, the other teams are playing harder than they are in more quarters, right? So that's, and that's what we saw again tonight in the first two quarters and the third quarter that flipped. And we have a special guest now joining us to tell us what was the uh, halftime speech maybe that required yeah, the. <laughs> well, who better,
0: who better to ask to get their insight on tonight's <laughs> game and you know, what perhaps words were spoken at the halftime. We just mentioned the big duke Monday play, getting that and one, literally with zeros on the clock to end the half, to bring it inside double digits. Coach Joe Salerno just joining us here live at St. Louis Baron Grill. And, Coach, first of all, congratulations on the win. What did you see as the big difference maker in the
2: second half, but certainly in the second overtime? Oh, hey, guys. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, no, this is great. Great time to come in, right? It's yeah. walk in right when when Dave's talking about how we don't we don't play hard. But I'll tell you what, I, I really couldn't agree with him more, you know, right now that that's been a bit of an issue for us. Uh, just, just playing consistently, you know, for a full 48 minutes. I don't minutes. trust you to not spill it. <laughs> <laughs> we are live on
0: location, and a server just passed me my soup and said, I don't trust you not to spill it. She's absolutely She's right. She's absolutely right. As I
2: should have a bib on. But sorry, Coach, go finish your thought, my friend. No, I, I think obviously we, uh, you know, we started playing with much, much more, a better tempo on the offensive end of the second half. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, we were just, we were lackadaisical, you know, again. Um, and that's been a bit of an issue for us uh, over the last few games you know at times it's like we we turn it on you know uh, holding that London team to nine points in in the third quarter you know we did a much better job on the defensive glass we were limiting them to to one shot at a time and um, you know for us we, we really just have to find you know kind of a uh, An even keel here and, and play the same way for 48. And uh, kind of a feeling out process because we talked about it's the first game we've had 12 players available all year.
1: Whether it's a feeling out process with guys and they're they're not sure where to fit in with each other right now and whether that leads to some uncertainty and some.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we, we lack toughness physically. No. I, I think we lack some mental toughness and that's something we've talked about a lot. You know, there, there's so many times where, you know, we look around on our team and you know we may be trailing a game by four. You know, we may be up by four, but yet we're, we're our body language and it, it looks like we're down by by 15 or 20 you know so that's something we've talked about a lot over the last couple days and we certainly need a couple guys to to kind of step up and in that uh you know mental toughness area Uh, but i think that's all about again redefining our roles and guys accepting new roles and in certain minutes and uh you know luckily it's a long season i think we're we're finding our way the nice thing is we've been able to get wins as we've been trying to find our way and you're feeling it out yeah yeah. doing whatever it takes to win games hashtag find a way
0: and billy white Last night, played his first game in almost a month. Uh, New Year's Eve was his last game until last night with that wrist injury. He was energized last night. He was the player of the game. He's a very emotional player. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And you can almost
2: ride the wave of emotion with Billy. You you wait till now to ask me the tough ones, right, Scott? uh, How many podcasts have we done? We got a we got a beer in us, so we don't care anymore. It's it's a great question. No, it it really is. I think that's something that Billy needs to continue to work on. You know, uh, Billy, I I told him today we met for a little while today, and uh, he's one of the best players in the league. I mean, there's just no question about it. And I think he just needs to do a little better job of, of accepting some of those ebbs and flows that come along with the season. He's been through four NBA. Bill seasons now. He knows how difficult things can be. And you know, when Billy's head's on straight, he's he's as good as anybody. And uh, we just need a little more consistency from him in, in that vein.
1: And you talked about feeling things out as you go along getting wins. You had to be happy. We, like with 12 guys, you're gonna be working out rotations. And you had that that five-man rotation sort of the last half of the third quarter, yeah. the first of the fourth, which was it was it was Wayne, uh, McSwain, McSwain, McSwain Dondo. and Dondo. Lewis yeah and uh Mundy and yeah. Mundi, and Mundy right yeah. and those guys i mean defensively like, what are you gonna do? I, I, yeah. I think it was kind of was was that kind of a bridge in the gap kind of thing with you. Well, we're gonna play these guys to kind of bridge the gap at the fourth, and then you ended up leaving them on because they were so
2: yeah. So I mean, successful. Yeah, th- those guys were kind of giving some of our starters some some yeah. you know uh, some rest which they needed on the second night of a back to back, and and they really stepped up. And, and you know, if guys have it going on, we're gonna run with them. You know, they were playing exceptionally well. Duke got it going late in the third, and and the way those guys were defending, you know, we had to leave them out on the court. We wanted to leave them out on the court, so. Uh, that, that's Our depth has certainly improved over the last two weeks. And it was Freddie that I wanted to ask a question about, too, because he had that stretch where he, he went
1: baseline right, earned yeah. a trip to the line, went baseline left, and should have finished and just missed a bunny one, then hit a three, and he had the defensive rebounds. And he really showed all of his stuff, the toolbox for him tonight. Yeah,
2: got to the free throw line, yeah. too, like attacking the rim. And, I mean... Freddie is as gifted of an athlete as I've ever coached. He's extremely coachable as, as a young man. He has a great attitude, a great work ethic. Uh, you know, he was begging Mitch, kind of like a, a puppy dog on the bench, like, oh man, I, I gotta get back in this game. Like, I'm, He was into it, you know, he really <laughs> wanted to get back in the game. Uh, and he
1: was good in the second overtime. He, had he, to go was, back in. he was, he good. was, you
2: know, when when Billy and Denzel fouled out, you know, good. we relied a lot on uh, on Freddie there, and uh, he stepped up, like, like you know, again, uh, we're talking about guys who stepped up, Wayne McCullough tonight again. Oh, man. You know, I made the comment today before the game I said you know late in games he's just a guy you have to have in the game because he's going to make plays and he did it again tonight and uh, you know a lot of credit uh, to Wayne and how hard he played and the job he did defensively on Garrett Williamson you know in the overtimes. And
1: probably the key play of that second overtime was him getting inside position on Bolden and getting that offensive rebound yeah. that he just attacked.
2: He went up and got it, right? And uh, so, no, man, he, he's just been great. Freddie's been great, and I think Marcus is going to come along. Marcus and, is good, yeah. Um, you know, we, we just have to, like I said, we got to play hard, you know, for 48 every night, and, you know, for some reason we're not doing that, and, and we got to figure it out, and I hope we will.
0: Well, it was nice that uh, after getting teed up last night and tossed early that you got some extra time to make up for time missed on the sidelines. But, Coach, I know earlier on social media you gave a little shout-out To your assistance into your coaching staff that stepped up last night. Let's just go back to last night for a second. You know, what do you want to say about those guys and the job that they did, basically having to coach that squad the rest of the game in a pretty tough matchup We're against St. John?
2: Yeah, they, they, they did a great job. You know, I think uh, in the in the fashion where I had to leave the game fairly quickly, um, you know, we got to reconvene at halftime a little bit, and, and uh, I thought Elvin took over and he did a nice job with that. Matt, Todd, Mitch, all those guys have great input, and uh, that was a tough game to pull out. Uh, I don't know which was tougher, them coaching uh, or me having to sit in the office watching it on my laptop, it was it was very difficult. But uh, they did a great job, you know, and, and that, that St. John you know, it was a tough game. Um, so a lot of credit to those guys. And I'm sure the players stepped up in, in my absence as well.
0: And were you going to ask him if he was tempted to put a, pull a Bobby Valentine? or? Well, you know, I was going to make the reference, and then <laughs> trying to think of the demographic watching, I didn't know if I'd have to tell him to check it out on YouTube. But many years ago, Bobby Valentine, you know, at the time was uh, the manager of the New York Mets, got tossed from a game. And then later on, the camera operator's got a shot of Bobby just kind of coming down the tunnel with some sunglasses and a fake mustache on. <laughs> so you, did, did you need a
1: wig, maybe? Maybe a wig Did you? Would you all, yeah, a... did
0: you
2: at all think of maybe a disguise and coming out there in the second half? I was definitely tempted. But you know what? The broadcast is so good. I, I, I was, you know, <laughs> it was, was actually my, my wife, you know, God bless my wife. She, she actually texted me. uh before I even got back to the locker, once I cooled off from it, I, I went to my phone because I thought I was going to watch the live show on my phone. And uh, and I had a text message from my wife. She just said, do you want me to bring you a beer? <laughs> and I, you know, thinking about it, I could have sat there and had a beer. But no, listen, it was... Uh, uh, it was difficult to sit back there, and uh, but it was nice. It was, it was actually very educational to be able to sit back and just watch your team. And, I mean, obviously I was engaged in what was going on from my laptop, but not like you were on the sidelines. So I saw a lot of things watching from the broadcast live that, that I maybe wouldn't have seen, uh, you know, walking the sidelines. Can you maybe think of one or two
0: off the top of your head that kind of came to mind that you might have talked to the team about tonight or you might talk to them about going
2: forward? Well, I mean, it was it was it was in the spur of the moment. I mean, there was there was very small things, um, you know, how we were we were fully moving defensively. You know, we're guys on the right help position. You just got to sit back and see the whole screen where there's so many times in the course of a game you're watching all those things, but you tend to focus on certain matchups or what you're trying to run or what you're doing. So it was more just sitting back and watching them play, and certainly took some notes down and had some notes for the coaches at halftime. So it was a it was a different experience. I don't get, I don't get tossed from too many games. And, <laughs> You know, I don't think I should have been tossed from last night's game, but um, <laughs> we agree. We anyway, agree. you know, I think tonight's game was certainly more exciting than that.
1: And uh, talk a little bit about Nick too. I mean, Nick missed last night's game, and he sat and watched. And he really, he came out. He was like a house on fire. He was really, um, you know. And with him, you kind of have to maybe gear him down a little bit. And you seemed to have to do that a little bit tonight. But he was terrific in that second overtime, too. Yeah,
2: no, he was really good on the glass in the second overtime. He was aggressive. Um, You know, he made a big play, tipping the ball off the free throw, off the the backboard, which McCullough picked up. But, uh, you know, Nick felt really, really, really bad about missing last night's game. And, uh, again, that's something he's trying to work on from an emotional standpoint. But uh, he came out with confidence. Nick has a lot of confidence. They were leaving him open from the three-point line tonight. I have confidence in Nick taking that shot. But then, yeah, you got to reel back in Nick a little bit because his confidence gets going, and uh, you got to put him back in check every now and then. But uh, he was good tonight.
1: And you, you said to me before the game, we and I gave you one that I was that was concerned about, and you you said it was your kind of second. Biggest concern, but you said in order it was offensive rebounding, well, like defensive rebounding. I think of the defensive, round, defensive yeah. glass, and then in transition, and yeah. you struggled with both of those things for a huge chunk of the game. So first still, half we did, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. I that, thought that turned a lot. Like they only got I think six offensive rebounds in the entire second half and the two overtimes. I think.
2: Yeah, they, I mean they started they had eight zero boards yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, and uh, I mean obviously this was a, a point of emphasis at halftime, and uh, <laughs> you know we were much 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 better in the second yeah. half. Um, you know so. So it's tough. I mean, the second night of a back-to-back, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's tough to get dialed back in right away. I do not think we came out. We, we really did not play a good basketball game to start the half, but we really buckled down in that second half, and, um, you know, I thought played pretty well at times. This team could have
0: very easily folded up the tent with the way the London Lightning were kind of coming at you guys. You're up by three. Four seconds left in regulation. They hit a three to tie. The end of the first overtime, seven seconds, you're up by three. London hits a three to tie it up. What did you guys do as a coaching staff, or did you have to do anything? What was the mood like? What was the conversation like on the bench and on the floor in that second overtime to not let London get in your head and to just put those behind you and to focus and get that win in the second overtime?
2: You you were in the middle of a fight, right? And and obviously it was it was discouraging when they hit the threes. And i I was sure coming in here I was going to be asked the question, Coach, why didn't you foul? Right? I was I was I'm waiting there. For I'm that. saving it. Uh, I'm saving it. But uh, you know you you just had to bounce back, and it was it was just kind of too stressed to them. Like, hey, it's five more minutes, man. You know, it's five. We we had a lead at the end of regulation. You had a lead at the end of the first overtime. Uh, stay in this fight right now, and and you just can't get too low. Um, and they had a couple big shots. I mean, you got to give them some credit. At the end of overtime and, and the end of the first uh, regulation. But uh, it was just trying to be positive with them and let them know we got five more minutes to continue to go to war here. Yeah, now, as player coach of my men's league team,
1: yeah, yeah. I, see, I, I faced a similar situation against uh, Coach Robertson's men's league team the other night where we were up three late. And we as a team decided to foul. You didn't. Yes. Um, what you also didn't do, what you also didn't do, though, what I, I mean, and that's and that's coaching preference, right? Because you can play the numbers whatever you want. Yeah. And, you're, and that's co- just coaching preference. It's neither, it's not right or wrong, really. But the, 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 the troubling part was you didn't run them off the line. Yeah. Um was that the more troubling part of that play for you when Bat Harrison got that? I mean, he got it off with very little At the end daylight. of
2: regulation, yeah. yes, it was. And yeah. that's what, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin Ware. Ware. Ware hit the one at the end of, uh, the end of, of regulation. regulation. Yeah. And uh, it was very tr- We We decided, I've always been a proponent of of not fouling. Play it out. And, and to me, like, trust your defense. We had a very long athletic group on the floor. Yeah. Trust these guys are going to switch aggressively and, and run them off the line. And, and we didn't do that. We didn't execute it. Like, we didn't, you know, I, I think it might have been Freddie McSwain and, and uh, maybe Mundy over there. Mundy, I'm not I sure. think it was, yeah. But, yeah, we didn't get a hand up. I mean, that was what we decided to do, and we didn't execute it well. Uh, it was funny, though, because you're in the same situation at the end of overtime, and... I actually, I'm, I'm not gonna throw my assistants under the bus, but <laughs> I always take their feedback. Right. And in my mind, I was leaning towards fouling. I'm saying, you know what? First time, let, let's go ahead and put them on the line and trust we can get a defensive rebound. Uh, a couple of the assistants were completely against fouling. So I actually came back to the huddle, and it's pretty rare I do this, but I, I said to, to the guys, what do you wanna do here, boys? You know, Do you wanna foul? You know, do we wanna foul or do, or do we not wanna? and I kind of used it as a I was to use over as a here. Yeah, Mitch over here on he the, was, the right? side. I used it as a confidence booster like come, we can, we can get a stop here, you know. All right, we're, I'm rolling with you guys, you know. This and they all agreed we're not fouling. We're not we can get a stop. And of course, they hit another tough three and I'm <laughs> kicking myself the whole start of the second <laughs> overtime, but uh, I trusted the guys yeah. and uh, they hit a couple big shots. Yeah. We've talked about this before
0: and I'll reference it now because the player of the game, Duke Mundy, who had a tremendous game, 30 points. Seemed to be all the places he needed to be more often than not throughout the night. But he's a quiet guy. He was even shy about doing the post-game interview with Dave Tingley. He said, oh, I'm camera shy. And you've referenced before on the podcast about how many quiet guys there are are on this team. What's that dynamic like in the dressing room, on the bench, during shoot-arounds, practice, whatever, when you've got to deal with a team that's almost
2: team quiet? You you have to ask yourself sometimes, like, are these guys totally tuned out are they they not in the moment like are we alive are we uh, but then sometimes there's just it's a very quiet focus you know and uh they're quiet guys. Duke's a humble guy. Like he's just yeah. a good guy, He's a good teammate. He doesn't like the spotlight. I, he certainly deserved it tonight. I mean, his percentages were were unbelievable. Eleven to thirteen from the floor. Seven to seven from the line. One to two from three. Um, he played great. But yeah, having a quiet group of guys, which we do, it's an odd dynamic at times. You don't know if if they're ready to go, if they're excited or not. Um, you know, but. It's a good group It's a good group of guys And and the
1: other thing That was great about Duke tonight Was there were possessions In the second half Where he He single-handedly Almost On some possessions Created havoc for them By He would close out and and, and take away a three-point shot, and then he would double down on the post and create problems and create turnovers. He did it multiple times in the second half.
2: He's so long. And, you know, last year, I mean, last year, I believe Duke was a top probably three defender in the league. And, you know, he's had a little bit of knee issues, and I think he's had a hard time trusting his knee a little bit. And uh, we actually had a long meeting today as well, one-on-one today, and just about him being that aggressive kind of just dog uh, that that, that he can be. And uh, I... I hope, I like to think that he took it to heart and he played a little more aggressive tonight and he got to the rim more tonight, you know. He's been settling for jump shots a lot this season. Uh, we talked about him getting to the free, excuse me, free throw line more tonight, and he did that. So, uh, yeah, I hope it was a, a breakout game for Duke. Yeah, he got
1: deeper in the offense, right? Like he got, he didn't settle for the
2: 18, 20 foot
1: shot. He got yeah. into the lane and, yep. and created some contact and pushed off. And he got that seven, six, seven,
2: eight foot jump shot that he's. He did, and, and that's what he's capable of doing. Yeah. Um, so no, he, he he was really good tonight. You know, he was really good. Uh, I thought Evans was pretty good. I mean, McSwain was pretty good. A lot of guys, they hung in there. And and again, played a a very good second half, in my opinion. We are live on location at St. Louis Baron Grill, Moncton and Dieppe. Dave Tingley with me,
0: Coach Joe Salerno, the special guest dropping by. He's got some of his assistants with him over there, but I don't think we're going to get them on the podcast. No, you can't get a, you can't get Rowley,
1: you can't get Rowley <laughs> to say anything.
0: Get a ping pong table, we'll get him playing ping yeah, pong for yeah. sure, but that's a story for another day. Coach, let me ask you about Corey Almond. Uh, he's a guy that we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, a veteran, a real leader on this team, on and off the floor at general. There was a scenario or a situation tonight in the overtime where Freddie McSwain was at the free-throw line, and I think he might have missed one of the shots. Made one, out of the two. Second, Made one of the two. And he was a bit deflated coming up the floor. Corey Almond was the first guy to get to Freddie, have a little chat with him, get in his ear, give him a little tap on the chest, and say, I'm not sure what he said, but basically, it's okay, young man, let's let's focus on the defensive stop now on the other end. Maybe just a word about what Corey Almond has meant to this team, especially during that tough stretch when he had so many injuries.
2: Yeah, I mean, Corey is, you know, kind of by nature the leader on this team. Um, You know, that's a new role for Corey. It really is. It wasn't his role last season on this team. And as a returning guy and a veteran guy who's played a lot of places, we try to lean on him for that. Uh, He's actually Freddie's roommate. You know, him him and Freddie share an apartment together. So I I think they have a, a pretty tight connection, you know, out of the gate here. And uh, like I said, Freddie's a coachable guy. He's going to listen to guys like Corey and and Duke and um, and you know hopefully myself and uh, <laughs> so you know. But that, that's good is it's good thing for Corey and, and we've chatted a lot about him. You know, trying to step up and grasp that role and and try to remain positive because we have a, a confident group. And when things go wrong, you know, we tend to dwell on them for too long. We can dwell on them for a possession or two and yeah. Uh, you know, and Corey has a habit of doing that at times too. So, you know, he needs to try to remain positive. I'm trying to I'm, – I'm. guys can hear from me all the time, you know, trying to pump them up and stay positive, move on to the next play. But sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. You need another guy on the court out there doing the same thing. So uh, something Corey's been, I think, working on all season.
1: Well, that makes that makes my interaction with him coming off the floor tonight really interesting because he came off the floor and I was greeting him, you know, and he had a tough start to the game. He was one for seven, I think, at the half, right? And then, you know, it was better in the second half, and he was just shaking his head like, man, that was like he was beating himself up. You know, going because he had a couple tough turnovers. I mean, late yeah. in the regulation, then yeah. late in the double OT, and it kind of kept things going. I think he was beating himself up a lot, but he he kind of he did one of those, and he shook my hand. And he went. You know what? But we, but he did a kind of a cleansing breath, and was like, you know, you know what? But we got the win, and he was clapping and clapping, and so he's trying to pump himself up a little bit, trying to shed that.
2: That's exactly yeah. like kind of the conversation him and I have often. Yeah. I mean, Corey's a perfectionist. I he mean, is, he's a perfectionist, yeah. in, in almost everything he does, how he works out, how he takes care of his body, the amount of shots he gets up every week. I mean, he's a perfectionist, and, and when he struggles. Uh he has a tendency to, to really get down on himself, beat himself up. Yeah. You know, frustrations, you can see it on his face and you can see in his body language. And yeah. if he's gonna be a leader on this team, then he needs to, you know, put that aside and, and, and try to remain positive and uh you know it's something he's working on. You know, everybody can work on something and, and Corey is working on that himself.
0: Now we know that uh my esteemed broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, <laughs> is the president of the Denzel Taylor Fan Club. I would like to right now on this live podcast from St. Louis Baron Grill profess myself to be the president of the Freddie McSwain Jr. Fan Club. Very good. He's an exciting player. He's so athletic. I was watching him in warm-ups tonight. I would have paid admission to come watch him warm up. Just some of the high-flying dunks and stuff that he does. And I know we've talked about him before. And you look, in your career, Coach, you've seen a lot of guys. You've seen a lot of athletes. But I know you mentioned that Freddie's a pretty special
2: talent. Where does he kind of stack up in terms of just raw athleticism? Oh, man, he has to be towards the top. I mean, he has to be top probably three I've, I've ever seen. And, you know, the most impressive thing, you know, yeah, and you're absolutely right, Scott. If you want to pay admission to come watch the warmups between him and Marcus Lewis, I mean, it's, a, it's quite the show. But, you know, the most impressive play McSwain made tonight, it wasn't one of his dunks. We set him a ball screen out of a horn set, and he turned a corner Mm. quicker than I maybe have ever seen anybody turn a corner it's just like the burst of, of quickness and speed he had at six seven two twenty five 225 is incredible um, so he's got to be top three I mean I think about other players just in the NBL you know London uh, had a guy Stephen Maxwell a couple years ago who had that type of athleticism uh, you know Juan Patillo was that type of athleticism but Freddie is just—he's uh, extremely explosive, and him and marcus they, they just add so much athleticism and, to our well, roster. Well,
1: Marcus is underrated, and when he got that—I mean, that—that uh, that one that you talk about turning a corner, Marcus had a play in the second half where he turned a corner, and got going right-handed downhill, yeah, and he was met by—I think it was Williamson. But he just shedded him and laid it up and in. I mean, it could have been maybe an, they were calling for an offense. But I mean, he just gets going. To, he's an
2: underrated athlete. Well, he's so quiet. He has a quiet game, <laughs> yeah. but he's an explosive athlete. And I think Marcus is still getting accustomed to to the offense a little bit. He, I mean, he's doing his job. Yeah. I think our guys are still getting accustomed. We're we're pretty guard oriented, yeah. right? Yeah. So between Corey Allman and Duke Mundy and NG when he's out there as a new wing, it can be tough to get touches at times. Um, we got to find Marcus a little more because he can be a factor on the offensive end and certainly a factor on the defensive end, but just an incredible athlete as well. And we
1: should mention that, speaking of G, you mentioned them that G play tonight in the first half. Uh, the fans were calling that maybe the play of the year in the NBLC so far. That finish, the that he first made. layup.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was just, it was just, just impressive. He is so that was gross, so skilled. Uh, he is an extremely skilled kid. Um, How is he gonna? How's it? How's
1: it gonna be for him? He's, I know with him with the twelve guys back, he's gonna have to earn those minutes back, right? Yeah, with, with Marcus and with with Freddie in the fold. I mean, especially well, when you because you can go. You can go big with those guys, and you don't need to play small, right? With with G, but he's gonna have to earn his minutes back. I would think. I mean, a,
2: a little bit. It's not so much that the guys we've added; it's a little more that we've moved Almond to that backup one role yeah. a little bit. Uh, that that's kind of what's affecting that yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Um, I've looked at Gentry Thomas as a little bit of a project all year, and, and my goal. Is the last quarter of the season he's playing at his peak performance, and you know we're putting a lot of time in practice when it comes to you know decision making and shot selection and things like that because I believe he is as talented as any player on the court. He's still just learning a lot the pro game and the speed of things, but um, you know, and I think he's 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 grasping it, he's understanding it. It can be tough because physically he can be out there playing, Um, but But it's about matchups too.
1: And he was forced into a bigger role quicker, right? He was right, and that kind of. Gave, the, gave everybody the impression, like, okay, well, G's going to be a, a major yeah. factor on this team right away. And I think
2: that kind of... It could be really tough on yeah. G because yeah. he did pretty well. He did. You know, he did pretty well. There was certainly times Ups and downs that, again, yeah. decision is making, but uh, when you're getting a lot of minutes and then all of a sudden they're, they're cut down pretty yep. quickly, that can be really tough. But, I, I, again, I think that's part of a learning process for G as well at the pro game. Yep. You know, it's about matchups, too. Like, listen, if Jamar, if uh, Xavier Moon had been in the lineup tonight, yeah. G would have probably played, played 20, more, 22 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't, you know. So it's, it's a process for G. But, again, I got all the confidence in the world in him. He's extremely talented. He's a great kid. And yeah. and I love having him here. Yeah. Well, the Monkton Magic have now
0: reeled off four wins in a row creating a little separation between yourselves and the rest of the pack at the top of the National Basketball League of Canada standings. Uh, what's the next couple of days like for you, Coach? I know you got to go on the road, but uh, what would you like to see the, the guys work
2: on, and, you know, what what are you looking to do over the next couple of days? Well, we're going to take tomorrow off. <laughs> I mean, that, that's first and foremost for sure. You know, we don't play again until Wednesday. Um you know, we we have got to. I mean, we we are pretty consistent in practice. We practice hard. I mean, we get after it. And you know, we have got to find a way to bring that same level of consistent intensity every day from the practice gym to the arena. And that's something we need to continue to work on. You know, I thought we were we were pretty good defensively last night. I thought we were pretty good defensively in the second half tonight. Um, you know, and we spent a lot of time this during this time off. You know, it's almost like well, you spent so much time defensively. Now you're looking to struggle offensively a little bit. So I think. Finding the balance of getting back to just playing solid basketball, you know, which we're capable of doing, um, and again, just just consistency of, of playing hard and aggressive for 48 minutes, and that may even be a little more off the court than on the court, um, but just continuing to get better. There's there's a, there's a whole second half of the season to go here, and uh, we're still not playing at our at our peak at all right now. Now, Coach, I know I've talked to you before, and most coaches. Hey, they never want to look
0: past the next game. But I'm going to throw it out there anyway, see if I can reel you in a little bit here. Tonight's win in overtime, double overtime versus London, kind of avenges that loss at the first of this month when London beat you in overtime in London. Your only loss at home was against the St. John's Edge. You've got them coming up in about 10, 12 days. I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but how much would you like to avenge
2: that home loss to St. John's when they come back in your building? I mean, a, a lot, obviously. Uh, and, I, you know, I hopefully the, the edge don't take this the wrong way, but I still don't think anyone's beating us at home. We certainly beat ourselves that game. You know, we yeah. blew a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, so it's circled. It's circled on the calendar. We've talked a lot about it. Mean, obviously, right now, the two closest teams to us in the standings is Cape Breton and, and, and the St. John's Edge. Uh, second half of the season is about playoff positioning, It's about home court. And you still take it one game at a time. But when you have games, we have Cape Breton and the edge coming up, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you know, those are two game swings when it comes to the team chasing you. So we talk about that. We talk, you know, that brings a little added importance to the game tonight. In the game on Wednesday, you know, trying to extend that lead the best you can when you got to see those guys. But uh, yeah, we'd like to, we'd like to get one back on the edge there. We certainly coughed that game up at home, and uh, you know, but they're they're tough. They're, they're tough. I'm looking forward to seeing them play Halifax tomorrow night. Yeah.
0: Final thing for you, Dave, for Coach before we let him. Uh, I'm sure he's hungry. He wants to get a bite to eat. So uh, throw the last one at him, Dave. Oh, gee, man, you put me on the spot, big time. That's what I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a live care. broadcast on NBLC Live or on a live podcast.
1: Well, no. I, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about the, the schedule coming up too. I mean, um, Cape Breton. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of roster turn, not a lot of roster turnover with with Cape Breton and and and, and, and Halifax. But have you got? Have you looked ahead and taught and, and, and kind of how how do you guys work it with with the upcoming schedule? Do you guys? Kind of, do you assign the 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 games coming up in eight to ten days to a certain uh, assistant coach and have him break the film down for those guys? for you and bring it back to you and then we'll work on what they give you. How do you guys kind of break down that work about upcoming games and upcoming teams?
2: Yeah, we we, we always focus on the next game. You know, now obviously our scouting reports, you know, between Mitch and and Elvin, um, you know, Mitch is actually in charge of the uh, opponent overall scouting report uh, where Elvin is assigned to the individual player scouting reports. Those are always due... uh, uh, three days before we play. Before
0: I took it off of the toilet.
2: <laughs> and uh, so you know, like I said, we'll focus on, on St. John right now, and, and then we'll worry about the edge after that. Um, but yeah, you know, Mitch and Owen do a great job preparing us uh, when it comes to advanced scouting. Last one for me, Coach. I'm gonna I'm gonna lobby a softball. Okay, an easy one here. What are you getting to eat tonight? I started a diet, Scott. I started a diet. I started a diet six days ago, and I've been solid. I've been solid with it, so you know I I got a glance through the menu because normally after a win like that it'd be chicken and waffles, no doubt. Well, well, like, Scott's got no-brainer. the Scott's
1: got the calorie counter here. St. Louis has the calorie counter. Yeah,
2: I mean I'm not supposed to eat after eight o'clock, but you know what? I'm going to tonight anyway. I'm going to bag you, it after a double. Gremlin? No, listen, I'm I'm just trying, you know. I'm I'm getting a little older now, you know. Don't so after midnight. Yeah, so listen, I'm uh, I'm probably gonna go chicken and waffles, no doubt. It's it's an awesome uh, dish here for sure. Double overtime. I think you yeah, I think you've earned. Little chicken and waffles, Coach. Listen, thank you so much for being a
0: special guest coming on the live post-game podcast with Dave and I. Safe travels uh, up to your next game, and uh, good luck on Wednesday. Okay. No, thanks for having me, man. Look forward to uh, seeing you guys again. Well, that takes care of things here. What a treat it was to have Coach Joe Salerno drop by as a special guest, Dave, on the live Magic Time post-game report from St. Louis Barron Grill, the Mountain Road location, of course, St. Louis Barron Grill. I'm not
2: F- well,
0: well, you know what, actually... I'm, I'm kind of think a, right? I'm kind of a wimp. I, I don't right. like my food too hot, so I think it's gonna be okay. but yeah, my soup's been sitting here for a while. It still looks and smells delicious. but yeah, big shout out and a thank you to St. Louis & Grill, Moncton India for being the presenting sponsor of the podcast and Dave uh, again we'll we'll wrap it up here, but uh, we're not back until I believe it's February 10th. Yep. 12th, and 14th. so yep. games two days apart. Uh, last word to you, my friend. Well, that was
1: uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun tonight, Scott. That was probably the most fun I've had uh, calling a game with the Miracle Slash Magic in my three years. So, um, yeah, that's going to be – I'm looking forward to the, to the games in a couple weeks. And the team's running into form. And, look, not playing their best and still pulling out a four-game win streak bodes well for the rest of the season,
0: I would say. And also, uh, on a side note, a big shout-out to Kent Samuel from the Moncton Magic staff for rescuing your cell phone from a bathroom at the oh, Avenue Center goodness. and dropping it off to you here at St. Louis Baragosso. Right. Way to go, Kent. So, listen, My thank, hero. Indeed. Thank, thanks very much to Dave Tingley. And again, a, a big win for the Moncton Magic tonight. They run their record at home to 10-1. and 1. They uh, extend their lead above the top of the standings of the National Basketball League of Canada. Moncton defeating uh, the London Lightning tonight, 119-112. We'll be back with our post-game podcast on February 10th when we're back for the next home game. On behalf of Dave Tingley and, of course, the coach, Joe Salerno. I'm Scott Squires. Thanks for listening to Magic Time Live post-game production. And remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.